Hi, everyone. It is Tom Panos here, and I've got to me on my left, the great man, Lutzi. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, Andrew Lutzi from Cunningham's in Balgala. The reason I've got him here, he was one of the highlight speakers at ARIC 2021. The amount of content that he gave the real estate agents here, the 3,000 agents, was incredible. This live stream is coming to you, of course, from the room that we've had all the speakers. It is presented to you by Campaign Track and Real Hub. They are the sponsors of this stream. And for those of you that don't know who they are, they do the best marketing for the real estate industry in Australia. And the product that I'd like you to keep looking at is called Engage, the best pre-list, the best pitch document at the listing presentation and the best price check document there is. And a number of clients that we're presenting here today, including uh, Angelo Nicholas from Harris, are, of course, users of these new digital pre-listing kits. Um, today, of course, and also, uh, um, Andrew, you guys are users of Campaign Track and, um, and Real Hub, aren't you? Yeah, because they're in your part of your world. They're actually around the corner from your office. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. They, um, uh, we, we, we do a lot of work with, with Campaign Track, so they've been, uh, we've been using them for many years. Yeah, so um, happy, happy to endorse it. <laughs> so, gang. I want to let you know, here's the story. This guy here, let's get clear, 120 sales a year, 120 sales a year, writing over 3 million bucks. The title of his talk was, you know, how to sort of run a strong sales business and still, and still have a life. Now, you're going to hear in this interview how this guy gets at home at six o'clock to bathe the children. You're going to hear in this interview how he has a Sunday off and a Thursday off. So firstly, um, I want to just for the audience here, um, Andrew, how long in real estate, your background, just fire away and just give me a snapshot of your career. Yep. Sure. Um, so I started in real estate in 2002 when I, I was 19 years old and uh, I started at the very bottom. You know, back then we used to, um, we used to, to drive out contracts to solicitors if buyers were interested. So um, it was a very different time and uh, moved as a cadet in the business, learning everything about trust accounting, property management, and then into a sales cadet role and mentorship under John Cunningham and then a standalone agent at 23 um, and then built a super team um, and then uh, eventually became a shareholder in the business. So this is my 18th year in real estate. And, um, and now my team structure looks like uh, I've got myself and two other senior agents that we list, sell, negotiate. And I've got a, a, um, a full-time admin slash compliance manager who basically is the engine room, runs the whole team. Um, I've got a buyer specialist who, who was doing all the marketing side of things and renovations. I know a lot of people like to add that as a, a value-add service. So he was doing all that work, but now he's full-time buyer management role. And then I've just taken on a six-person who, who does all that, just purely agent marketing, property marketing, and uh, renovation specialist. Now... To everyone that's watching this, let me give you some stats here. At age 23, he sold 20 properties. At age 24, he sold 25. At age 25, he sold 37. At age 26, he sold 48. At age 27, he sold 57. So what you're seeing is this incremental growth. There was not a 10x picture here. There was not a 2x picture here. You call yourself the 20% guy. What does that mean? Yeah, I would love to say I've got the 2x, the 10x growth and and hats off to all the agents who've done that. There's some been amazing speakers that have had, you know, exponential success in real estate very quickly. For me, I, it's not from lack of trying. I really wanted to, but 
I, I really put down, if I can do 20% better every year on my numbers, both in terms of volume of sales and GCI, then I'm, I'm going to have longer, better sustainable growth. I'm going to get better repeat clients. And ironically, a lot of the success I had in my career and still have in my career was that I followed my clients as well on that journey. So whilst I started, I'd love to say I sell the million dollar houses and all that stuff. I didn't. My average sale price was 440000 eventually became 523. It wasn't until about 10 years in that I even got to nine, 950,000. So um, I followed those clients that were buying units and eventually they'd upsize into townhouses and then houses. And uh, it's only in the last year. So, yeah, so, so, so I'm having a look here at age 38 now, 2021, you got a goal of doing 150 properties, right? Yeah. Um, last year, 3.4 million with four associates. Can I ask you, can you see $5 million in the horizon? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's just sustain. It's just a goal. We've got to put a plan around it, make sure that the team is fit for purpose. And I say that intentionally because everyone needs to have that collective goal and we break it down and make sure that are we on track, off track, all this sort of stuff that most people know, but they rarely do. Couple of things. Lost, lost your first 15 listing presentations. What did that mean for you? Yeah, when, I, when John Cunningham let me go from his cadetship and I went out on my own, I literally lost back-to-back 15 listing appointments in a row and it was gut-wrenching, you know, absolutely devastating. But um, <laughs> you learn a lot from that. You learn about whether you, you really do have the, the guts to get on with it and have the fortitude and resilience to get on with it. But you, you slowly, you win one and then you win another and you get that momentum back on the ride. And look, I still lose. Like this year, I lost six in a row. You know, I still lose business the same as anyone else. In fact, this one, my nemesis competitor, he's a good bloke, but he, he's won about seven over the last 10 we've had in a row together. So I still lose business the same as anyone else. I'm just trying to learn from what, what I can do to change it. So I want to ask you about the feeling of losing a listing and your price point. The fees aren't 10 grand. They're closer to 30, 40. I want to ask you, what do you do when you've found out you've just lost business? Well, you have a tantrum. <laughs> you may as well have a bloody tantrum. And then, and it is on my team to say, look, go piss off, go outside and, you know, and, and go take your time and have your five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it might take. But if you bring that negative energy into the group and you have it, you have a little hissy fit, it's going to pollute everyone and it's not good for anyone. So there is a point where you have to go and, and you know, have your little moment, but the thing I've found, and it's actually, it's it's a leadership skill, I think, that I learned a long time ago, that the quicker you get over that rejection, learn from it, and shut that door, you actually not only feel better, it's like having an argument with someone, and even though you, you want to have that pride, as soon as you do say sorry and swallow that pride, you actually feel better for it anyway. So quicker I could shut that door and then move on and get onto the next next listing and learn from it, the, the, the better you'll become. I want to ask you, in your presentation, you said, are you in the wax work or the flame work? Explain. So there's a really lovely analogy I heard many years ago that um, a lot of people get bogged down doing non-dollar productive activities. And that's what we call the wax work. Obviously, you can't have a flame without having the wax and the, you know, the wick in it. So um, you think about what most salespeople are really good at, and you coach them all the time. And you see that they start off being great salespeople, but then when they need scalability, they don't put any sort of investment in leadership to manage that team, to give them the same success they had when they were on their own. So for me, it's actually making sure that I've got the right skills to manage the team so that I can stay in the flame work, which is 
my role in the team is to bring in the business, listing, selling the business, negotiating, dealing with past clients and helping the team so that they can actually win business. It's not actually to go out there and go to the photo shoots. It's not to be at the compliance. It's not to do all the stuff that I'm not really meant to do or be there in that wax work, if that makes sense. So many agents said, oh, it's my precious. I've got to do that. You're wasting your bloody time. Like you really get into the stuff that you're good at. You like doing. Don't get bogged down the stuff that you don't like doing or you know that actually that was relevant when I was on my own because I didn't have a choice. Now you've got a choice. Now, um, your AM in the office operating rhythm, you know, I want to talk talk about the fact that particularly on a Monday, you've got a no appointments before 5 p.m. Explain. I think that's really relevant for people, particularly if they're in the first three years of real estate. If I'd known that, I, you, you want to move away from ad hoc. So I guess it's a structure philosophy. If you take the macro umbrella approach to business and say, well, Mondays are such an important day. You've had all your open houses on the weekend. Why wouldn't you spend that time to be on the phones to not only your pipeline, your past clients to tell them, hey, we had some five amazing auctions. These were the results. You will now want to know what that means for your value of your home, you know, let alone then all the natural callbacks you have to do for your actual OFIs and then all the justice to just solds. And then, you know, like there's just so much time, good, warm leads that you need to be ticking off on the phone. There's always time to book those appraisals later in the week, but AM in the office, PM at appointments for any other day other than Monday. But for me, Monday's a really big day on the phone. It's the day it really sets up the week. And it's also a fantastic day for you to feel productive for the week. You matter how many appraisals you can lock in on a Monday and you feel like on top of the world, it really starts the week on a good note. Now, I want to ask you about this concept, product and patch knowledge, product and patch knowledge. Um, are you referring to knowing, well, tell me exactly what you mean. So product and patch knowledge is really referring to, okay, um, getting really clear on a, do you know if you're servicing a market area, farm area, as people call it, you know, how well do you know that farm area? Do you know the local planning laws? Do you know the subdivision planning laws? What major infrastructure is coming in from the New South Wales government? Are you aware of that? Do buyers need to be aware of that? What about the bus routes? What are the local school zones? Is it in that catchment or this catchment? A lot of people just gloss over that shit, you know, and I'm sorry for swearing, but it's just, it just really is. It's, it's often overlooked. And as an agent, it's basic skills that you need to know. Well, not even skills. This is actually knowledge you need to know. So, Learning about your farm area intimately will give you a far better presence to the market as an authority in that market. Then you wrap around that, okay, we've got houses to sell. Do you know the architectural style of the home? Have you studied the Australian architectural housing styles throughout the ages? What's the difference between a California bungalow and a bungalow, a federation home, Art Deco? Are you familiar with what contemporary architecture looks like or is it mid-century that's been renovated? A lot of people, again, just don't invest much much of their knowledge or time into that, let alone then contract law, strata law, leasehold. Do they really invest their time in the stuff that actually is going to add value when they're talking to someone at a listing appointment, at an open house, and they go, geez, that Andrew bloke was pretty knowledgeable. He actually gave me something that all the other idiots didn't. I loved the little hacks that you gave towards the end of the presentation, including uh, um, increasing your fee structure by 0.1 to point. 2-5% for listing or using a tiered thing. Just elaborate on that. It sounds like it's it's something that can be practically done without too much, you know, uh, uh, resistance from vendors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in this day and age, everyone wants, wants options, right? You don't want to go vanilla the whole time. We want to have, you know, sprinkles on top. So 
I, I think, you know, most vendors traditionally have always worked on a flat rate fee structure. And that's when you really are deducing down a lot of that conversation, you know, is it you're, you're making the, the owner decide on fee rather than actually the skill set of the agent and what they're bringing to the table. So by giving them options, yes, I can give you a flat rate, but I can also give you a performance option, which is a scale for example, yep, we'll do a lower lower base and then it'll just go up incrementally as the performance goes up. Or you can do a J-curve analogy, which a lot of people who work in the money markets love paying me that way, which is, all right, Andrew, let's lower your base fee down to this level, but you get 20 cents on the dollar when you get over that amount. Now, the notion of us getting beyond that is actually remote. That's why there's a bigger kicker. But if people start to buy in and they've got control of that philosophy that you can create the fee structure with me, and I love that line. I think James Tosman said it a long time ago. He says, oh, look, provide, it's a really great closer. He says, oh, look, look, Tom, provided you and I can come up with the right marketing plan and, and the right commission structure, you're happy for me to be, be your agent. Yeah, it's a nice, simple, quick close. And most of the time people say yes, you know, if they know you like you trust you. If you developed enough rapport with that person throughout the listing appointment, when it comes time to talk about fees at the end, it's just semantics. Yeah, and I think it's important because what you've – I mean, that, that close there – that close there is a lot different to sort of saying, hey, here's my fee, here's my marketing. You've actually said, hey, if you're happy with the fee and you're happy with the marketing, then can I go and do this? That's sales. Yeah. Sales is... Sales isn't it? Yes. <laughs> now, listen, your final slide is um, journey, not destination. Yeah. Explain that. I love that quote. And I know it's an old phrase and everyone's heard it. Like life's, the, life's about the journey. It's not the destination. And, and real estate, it could not be more true about having plans, having goals. We all are goal orientated because that drives performance. KPIs, it's the best measure of, of your you know, perceived success, I guess. And whilst it's good to have a goal, which is the destination, perhaps, most of the time we get so caught up on are we on track, off track, you actually forget about the good times you meant to actually have and celebrate those good times. So that's what I was saying before about balance, about being able to have a great time at work. When I'm at work, sure, we work. Yes, we still socialize when we need to, but when we're on, when everyone's in momentum, let's buckle up, let's get on with it. You know, why say 50 words and you can say five? Like you're there to work. Let's actually make it a good time. Let's, you know, because I want to get out of the door, you know, so I can be home at six o'clock and bathe the kids and give them dinner. You know, I don't want to be at work on Thursdays because that's my time to, to, to switch off. Can I ask you, what do you do on Thursdays? It's a family day. Yeah, I've got to get out. I ride a bike with the kids and go down and kick the footy, you know, take the kids to the zoo. We've got swimming, you know, and we live on the beach. So we, half the time we're down at the beach. So, yeah. Andrew, absolutely brilliant. To anyone that's watching this, by the way, if you ever want a great guy to come into your office and give you a brain dump of every bit of content he's picked up in the last few decades of real estate, um, he's your man. He's incredible. Um, and also in the real estate gym, I have got content with you. I actually still remember you came into News Corp at Surrey Hills at two times. So there's so there is content there. Obviously not as good as the camera work that the you know campaign track and real hub team have got here. They have got, by the way, they are my video crew. And I've got to tell you, uh, I love the stuff. They've got the ability to actually use quality cameras while we live stream. And that's why you're seeing that this stream is a lot better than being on an iPhone. I'm going to thank you so much for coming in. I'm going to bring in another guest now and uh, enjoy your night. By the way, if you and your colleague want to go somewhere tonight, I'm letting you know I can uh, the, the, the team at Agent Box before you bid have got drinks um, in the casino, a private party. So if you text me afterwards, if you've got nothing to do. If you, oh, look, Tom, I'm the victim. My yes, hand's tired, I, I can see that. <laughs>
Footloose <laughs> fancy free tonight. Thanks a lot. Outstanding. Okay. The lady that's about to come on stage, and she can come on stage now here, I've got to say to you, very, very rarely do, in my 12 years emceeing Eric, 12 years emceeing Eric, very, very rarely is there a standing ovation. Um, and I want to, firstly, for all the audience here, think about it. You're not watching this because you're not at the event, but this lady got a standing ovation. Last speaker, um, I want you to give everyone a brain dump in a short summary, who you are, what you're all about, and what you spoke about today. Um, my name is Jackie Cooper. I'm a five-time Olympian and five-time world champion in the sport of aerial skiing. It's a non-traditional Australian sport that is brutal and cruel. I bring everyone on my journey of an unwavering commitment to 10 pieces of paper, which was set by a man that by chance saw me on a trampoline when I was 16 years old. He drove past, saw me on the trampoline. Uh, we spoke for a short time and he was inspired by me and my, I guess, passion and energy for acrobatics. And he delivered me a plan the next day with a 10-year you know, goal of becoming a world champion was my destination. Um, so I talk about having a commitment and an unwavering commitment to your plans and your goals to make sure that you keep looking at them. I talk about drive, determination, um, loving the good times and the bad. I talk about performance and energy. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I talk about a champion attitude. So I had some hard times in my sport and all of that was um, made possible a 20 year career and becoming the best at it was because of the attitude that I woke up every day with. And it's not great every day. And I am human and I do have negative thoughts, but the minute that you can flip it to, um, to be positive and to have more self-belief and to have your internal motor and driver working for you and not listening to anybody else, you can achieve so much more. So it was a powerful prezzo. Okay. So, um, Jackie, um, I'm just going to ask you, and by the way, there have been no Q&A here. This is on, uh, you know, on the run. So if you need to pause and think about it, uh, please do. I know that, uh, by the way, it's a little bit ad hoc. Jackie's got her kids who are sitting uh, off the stage there waiting. They're sort of, have they got a babysitter there? Sort of. No, our AV team is keeping them amused. Okay, that's very kind of them. And we're better, uh, So I just want to ask you very quickly, are you born with that resilient attitude or can you cultivate it? I think there's an element that you're born with. I mean, everyone's born resilient. Those, um, the ability to thrive in babies, that you're born with certain things that you can actually make it to certain milestones, but the rest is really up to you. Um, me being a triplet, it's an interesting one. Not many people know this about me, but there's three girls born on the same day, given the same opportunities. And it is interesting to see how all of us handle stress, how all of us um, handle what comes at us in life and really who's quite resilient. And I do think a lot of it, I've been, it's learnt resilience through a lot of the, I think, um, opportunities that I've had through sport and it wasn't easy in the first 10 years of my life uh, as far as you know the skiing the career in sport that life it was very tough I was doing a sport that I didn't know anything about I didn't believe in myself at all but what I did was I believed in the man that saw a vision for me that I couldn't yet see so I trusted him and to put your trust in someone um, you know it is pretty hard and I was just being guided by him 
And through 10 years of finding my feet in a tough sport, every single time I did fall down and I got up again, it was like putting little pennies in their resilience bank. And once I won, it really did become a lot easier for me to have the self-belief because it was there. It was something that I had. I was wearing the yellow bib, which is the leader bib. I knew that I was great. But the first 10 years, there was so much doubt there. There was so much self-belief because I hadn't actually done it before. The second 10 years was the easiest because I had that built that bank of resilience. Okay. So Jackie, that's interesting because I noticed the data in real estate shows that riding from zero to a million is harder than going from 1 million to 2 million. It appears that once you get to a certain level, this resilient bank or this belief that, hey, I've now been successful. I can go to the next level. So it appears that you've got to hang on to success when you get it. A hundred percent. A lot of people fall down the first couple of times and they fail to get up again. And they think this is too hard. It's going to take too long. This is, I'm not cut out for this. But that like in my presentation is you've got to be able to handle the good and the bad and be able to ride it out. And by doing it a long time, there is some a theory there called the 10,000 hour. I don't know if you've heard yes, about I it. Have. If you do something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert in your field, which ends up being about 10 years. And in my case, it was 10 years to become the best in the world. And those first 10 years were challenging. I knew nothing about myself. I certainly learned a lot about myself. I wasn't prepared for what I was about to do. But again, I put my trust in somebody else and had an unwavering commitment. So I gave a commitment to 10 years. And I think for everyone who's out there, make a commitment to a large amount of time and write it out, the good and the bad, and see what's there after five years or 10 years, get to that first win, get to that first million. And, you know, my first win was the hardest. My first ever World Cup win was the hardest. I won the next three in a row. And it's exactly what you said about real estate. Now, one final question is you talked about the voice in your head that gives you doubt, can't do it, you're not good enough, whatever it is. You said something interesting, Jackie, that you still do get it. If someone gets that voice, like, is there any advice that you can give them? I think it's, first of all, you've got to recognize the voice. A lot of people, they know it's there and they sort of ignore it and, and you know, sort of greet it. Oh, hello, you know, your negative thoughts. But then after that, I wouldn't give it any energy at all. You know, we are human. We do let negative things come in. And the minute you let it come in and give it energy, you're losing focus because you're thinking about that. That thought will bounce around your head. It will get louder because you're giving it more energy. My coach, um, you know, they, were, they employed a sports psychologist for me and I'd already won a few world titles and I thought there's no way I need a sports psychologist. I already know a lot about myself and how to turn my brain on. And this lady said to me, I'll add 10% to your performance if you just tighten the screws a little bit. And I'm like, 10%, I mean, if my 10% bank account grew, you'd love that or 10% more sales or 10% more frequent flyers, whatever it was. She said, I can change. And I said, what do I need to do? And she said, you just need to wear a shit shield. I know that sounds really weird, an invisible shit shield. She said, you've got to put a dome around you and you've just got not all let the stuff come in and let it bounce back out there. The minute you let it in, everyone is human. It will bounce around. You will give it energy, which means you will lose focus. So don't let it in, leave it out there and just know to bring in the stuff that's actually going to move you forward and closer to achieving your goal. Absolutely goal. Can I get your URL? The Jackie, it's Jackie Cooper. Uh, JackieCooper.com. Okay, JackieCooper.com, spelt Jackie, spelt? Um, 
jacqui.com or at Saxton Speakers. Okay, I've got to tell you, you and your your incredible value, by the way, because I know I know what the investment is. Your incredible value, a stand, uh, uh, you got a standing ovation. Very, very rare because all the real estate agents want to do on a Sunday at four thirty is they want to go and get the free drinks from the sponsor, right? But they stood up and they, you know, you impacted them because you had content and your delivery was good and you made them laugh. How long have you been public speaking now? Is it 10 years? Yeah, 10 years. But I'd like to say this about the audience. You know, I speak in a non-COVID year and 100 presentations and my story, unless I make a comeback, my story actually doesn't change. So your audience and my presentation was fabulous because of a fabulous audience, right? delivered to a different audience it might not have been the same so your audience was absolutely ready for the presentation they want to learn they want to change they want to thrive in this you know uh you know strange times that we're having right now so they're absolutely ready for something that I gave them and it made for a great performance so I think it was a combined effort between the audience and myself well you've just covered another point earlier on today when you weren't here one of the speakers Ryan holiday which you've probably heard the obstacle is the way he was one of our speakers and he said something very interesting he said don't be so arrogant or ego to think it's always you you've been very very humble to say what you've just said there because it would not have surprised me I may have asked that question to someone else and they would have said, yeah, thank you so much, you know, but you're, you're, you, you, it strikes me as you're a person that has sort of said there's two people involved in change. There's the person that's prompting you to change, but there's also the changee, the person that needs to change. Yeah. Well, I think anything that you do in life, it's, um, it's, it's an absolute partnership. It's a team effort. So whilst I was a performer by myself in aerial skiing, I would always acknowledge the fact that there was hundreds of people behind my performance that actually made it possible for me to even be there, let alone land my jumps. Even today, the effort that Arik have had to get me up here so I could perform was unbelievable. So everyone does their bit. Everyone wants to do well. And for me to show up on stage and tell my story to an audience that was ready to hear something inspirational it was absolutely such a pleasure it was such a good time for me too so i'm glad everyone had a great time as well as they say with the students ready the teacher appeared you appeared you appeared very well you appeared gracefully you appeared with impact you appeared with humor you appeared with delivery you appeared as the best speaker on the day thank you so much oh my gosh calm down <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys and girls, this is a Sunday Night Ran. It's brought to you by Real Hub Campaign Track. If you don't have a digital pre-list kit, get yourself a digital pre-list kit because I'm letting you know, you want to devastate your competitors. You want to you go to a listing presentation and you want the vendors to have sat there and thought, man, you pretty much sent me an electronic version of Vogue magazine. Of course, I'm going to listen to what you've got to say. That's what you get when you use the Engage document. Guys and girls, it's Tom Panos signing up. Big day of Eric tomorrow. Gary Vaynerchuk first thing in the morning. So uh, if you're not here at Eric, well, you won't be watching. Thank you. If you're not here, you're not here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. I hope you get you some work.